We got a lot on the agenda today. In the bullpen, joining me will be me. Yeah, you're gonna get an extra dose of yours truly. Coming to help break down news of the day, my contributor is none other than the innovative Professor Derek Hamilton, Henry Cohen Professor of Economics and Policy at the New School. All right, this is going to be quite, quite fun and what an honor to have him on Indisputable. Top story of the day, listen, the police do crazy things, but this may be one of the craziest stories you heard in recent history. A black male goes to a coffee shop in Georgia. There's a sheriff and his wife. The sheriff is transporting an inmate. The elected sheriff is transporting an inmate. His wife is a deputy sheriff as well. She works for him. The wife screams that the black male groped her. The sheriff who's outside of his county decides to effect an arrest on the black male. Contrary to the witnesses who said no groping took place whatsoever. The police come of that jurisdiction. They see the video, the investigators say, Wait a minute, no groping took place. But the white female deputy, who's the wife of the sheriff, she starts to weaponize her white tears. And because she's crying, they decide to go ahead and arrest the black male who happens to have a top secret security clearance from the US government and one of their major contractors. He goes to jail for sexual assault. Here's the first video. I'm not done, bro. You're a Z. You see it? Oh my God! What are you doing? Oh, this shit hurts so bad. Let me go. 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 Let me has screamed that he groped me. She never uh, was groped at all. We got the evidence to prove it. Now, here's the other irony of this entire story. The sheriff that you saw is an elected sheriff in a place called Clinch County, Georgia. The situation happened in Henry County, Georgia, okay? He was outside of his jurisdiction, okay? There's more. The local authorities arrived, the Henry County police arrived. Here's what happened. The, the lady in the car got her phone. She snatched her phone out of her hands. Her right there, acting like she's not doing nothing. Are y'all on duty? 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 Talk about an assault. Nobody. 
Nobody did nothing. Are y'all on duty though? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's what I'm saying. Shaking hands like all everything. Okay. I don't know what was happening. I didn't. I, I didn't see him being belligerent. He just said, "You're under arrest." Didn't say Literally. why. Wouldn't talk to me. Then he threw him into the ground. You under arrest? It's not even your county. It's not your county. This is not your jurisdiction. Okay. No, just keep it rolling, please. Keep it rolling. The witnesses are very clear in what they saw. The black male was not being aggressive. The sheriff was being aggressive. And you heard the young lady, she said, uh, she has my phone. Literally, the deputy, the female deputy decided to take this woman's cell phone. Remember, these are two cops completely outside of their jurisdiction. He screams, I'm the sheriff, but he's not the sheriff of Henry County where he was arresting the male. There's another video, here it is. Out of control, out of control, all right? Now, <clears throat> let's put up a picture of Mr. Darius Rice, the initial victim in this case. Mr. Darius Rice now may have his security clearance revoked because of the arrest. He may lose his contracting job, he's a military contractor. Channel 2's Tom Jones spoke to Darius Rice, who said he was taken into custody and charged with sexual battery of a sheriff's deputy. That was the charge. You don't, that's a serious ass charge. Sexual battery of a sheriff's deputy. This happened in April after an incident at the Henry County Quick Trip store. Now, they have lawyered up. They have lawyered up, and I spoke to one of the lawyers of Mr. Rice today. Bakari Sellers is an attorney for Mr. Rice as well as civil rights attorney Harry Daniels. I spoke to attorney Daniels earlier today and I have additional context. Let's put up a picture of the Clinch County Sheriff Stephen Tinsley. All right, let me also put up a picture of the Henry County Police Chief where all of this actually happened. That's Mark. Ammerman, Henry County Chief of Police. Let me give you some additional background. We got some twists and turns here. Rice told Jones, the reporter, he is innocent and that it was a conflict of interest 
for the sheriff to even arrest him. Since the alleged victim is the sheriff's wife. Rice is a military veteran who said he served in combat. Rice wants justice after he said Clinch County Sheriff Stephen Tansley handcuffed him and tossed him to the ground outside a Stockbridge quick trip on April 7th in Georgia. That's after the sheriff's wife, a deputy, sheriff's wife, a deputy said he groped her inside the store. Now, here's what happened. There's actually video evidence that will be released very soon. The authorities came and reviewed the footage in the store. The Henry County police said, well, there's no groping. He accidentally bumped into her and she comes outside and says, he groped me. In order for sexual battery to occur, one of the statutory elements is that it must be intentional. It must be intentional. The investigators that arrived, they reviewed the footage and spoke to witnesses and everything lined up to unintentional contact. It was a bump, that's all it was. But these two out of control, power hungry SOBs said, "Oh, we got something for them. We're going to just arrest a black man today and say, oh, white woman sexually assaulted. Now remember, even though this woman did not cry rape, it's very similar. Oh, a black man has now sexually assaulted me, he needs to go to jail. This was such a chaotic scene. There's more, Rice said he accidentally bumped into Clinch County Deputy April Tinsley while inside the convenience store and said he was looking down at the time. The video evidence proves that. Several people pulled out their phones that night and began recording after they saw Sheriff Tinsley trying to arrest Rice. There are several videos of the scuffle between the sheriff and Rice. On one video, you can hear Sheriff Tinsley say, I'm the sheriff, but you're not in Henry Dam County. You are not the sheriff there. And let me also say this about what this duo has done. Number one, it connects back to the fact that they are likely corrupt as hell in many other ways, okay? The fact that the elected sheriff is driving a damn inmate. What elected sheriff you know drives an inmate? Have you ever heard of that before in your life? Something else is fishy about this story. So the elected sheriff is driving, is transporting an inmate to another county. His wife is the deputy who has tagged along for the ride. There's more. Henry County police said Rice's girlfriend, Mr. Rice's girlfriend, Ashley Jackson, recorded the scuffle back in April. That's when they said April Tinsley grabbed Jackson's phone. Now we're talking about the deputy. She grabbed Jackson's phone, that's a crime, and threw it in their truck trying to hide the evidence. The Tinsleys were reportedly transporting an inmate from Atlanta to Ware County, all right? Now, I have to mention, people like this, they do a disservice to real victims of sexual assault. They are real victims of sexual assault in this world, and their stories need to be heard, their truth needs to be protected. We need to have an atmosphere of protection for them to tell their stories. But people like this, they eat away at the public trust and do a, do a complete disservice to those who are actual victims of sexual assault. After that happened, Jackson and Tinsley then got into an altercation after Tinsley accused Jackson of assault, okay? Rice's attorney attorneys point out that the police officers who looked at the video of the alleged groping said 
it shows Rice accidentally bumped into Tinsley. That's what the investigators in Henry County said. Another officer said Deputy Tinsley was backing away from the encounter when it happened. Okay, all right, the police come. Let me show you how strong a white woman's tears can be when weaponized. Especially if that white woman happens to be a police officer. The investigators said, we see no groping. The witnesses said, no, we saw no groping. And they still decided to charge this man, arrest him, fingerprint him, take him to get mug, a mug shot. And now he has to fight this case in criminal court. There's more. Let's put up a picture of the person who has taken over the investigation. His name is Sheriff Reginald Scandrick. I actually know Sheriff Scandrick. I've met him a couple of times in my life. He's a new sheriff. He needs to do the right thing here. Sir, we will be holding you completely accountable for the outcome of this situation. Rice's attorneys are still wondering why Rice still faces a charge. <coughs> it's amazing to me that with all the evidence of white woman's tears, Still trump all of those things attorney Bakari Sellers said, and I agree with Bakari. Rice's attorney said the sheriffs should have called authorities immediately. That shows that he was a conflict of interest because his wife is saying, hey babe, somebody touch me according to attorney Harry Daniels. I spoke to attorney Harry Daniels before the show today and attorney Daniels said, not only are they suing, they are also looking to file criminal charges against both of these individuals who were involved in this assault. Not only on Mr. Rice, but also his girlfriend because the female deputy stole the phone and tried to destroy the evidence they had. Damn, so convoluted, but it's so unfortunate that it's true. Professor, what are your thoughts on this case? You know, the video itself is hard to watch. But if there is an example of a weaponization of white tears, uh, th this is a clear one. So you, you captured it with that statement. And then you know another key point that you raised is that it has economic consequences. So obviously there's the trauma of being arrested, the stigma of being arrested. Um, and, and all the, the, the sordidness that goes along with simply having free mobility and walking about your life and, and this, this threat of detention, this threat of bodily harm that's not only weaponized, but weaponized with state resources. So it's state inflicted violence. We shouldn't mm -hmm. forget that part of the story. But the other point that, that you raised, which is also spot on, his livelihood is threatened. His ability to work is threatened because of this arrest. Yeah, and you make a great point about state inflicted harm because the state is funded by us. We are literally funding agents of our own oppression. Louisiana cop remember chased down a black female decided to punch her in the face and said it was because she was talking loud. Remember that? Well, the sheriff's office in Louisiana, they're saying, oh, he was well within his rights to do this. Another expert concurred. Let me take you back to that situation. Here it is. Get in the car. 
I have another video from another angle. Before I go to that next video, I want to remind you that all she was doing was recording. She was recording and talking to her brother. She was recording, okay? Recording the police is not illegal. Now, they didn't like it. And they may not have liked some of the words that she said while she was recording, but she was simply recording. Here's another angle. Wait, wait, oh my God! What you do, sir? Sir, sir! Oh my God! See, this is why people don't like the police because typically they're cowards like this guy. You run down a woman, you throw her against the building, you then physically assault her, punch her in the face profusely, and you expect us to respect the badge. You expect us to trust you. Show the screenshot of Deputy Henry Seal. Deputy Henry Seal is being protected by his department and others. You won't be protected on this show. A Louisiana Sheriff's Department and excessive force experts say a deputy was justified when he pushed a black woman into a mobile home and punched her in the face. That's your update, the saying is justified. The police, the local law enforcement agency alleges she was interfering with an arrest. While community members claim the officer used excessive force in his engagement. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist nor a legal scholar to show very clearly that this officer was excessive, was criminal, was in violation of law, protocol, and common damn sense. But he has protection from the culture. You see, we call it a criminal justice system. That's the issue. It's not really a system, okay? You have thousands of law enforcement agencies. You have thousands of sheriff's departments, DA offices. It's not really a system, it's a culture. They're not really all connected. They're part of a culture and this culture expresses itself in these local jurisdictions. There's more. The incident occurred after Mary Lee Brand Robinson refused to back away during the May 2nd arrest of her brother. According to authorities, authorities reportedly told Robinson she could record, but to stay in her yard. She doesn't have to stay in her yard to record, by the way. Robinson allegedly began shouting at her brother and the cops said it agitated him, according to officials. Oh, Okay, so when, okay, let me get this right. So when the police shout at you and they agitate you, is that against the law? Because police do that a lot. As a matter of fact, they were doing it with this arrest as well. So now is agitation a statutory offense? If you agitate somebody, is that now illegal? There's more. Deputies from the St. Charles Parish Sheriff's Office arrested Keith Anthony Robinson Jr. on the 1300 block of Paul Frederick Street in Luling, fulfilling a probation warrant. 
while detaining the 26 year old, his sister reportedly yelled at the officers for tasing him after he initially ran from the cops. Okay, she she has some words. She was not breaking the law. We're gonna continue to follow this story and place pressure where pressure should be placed. Professor, what are your thoughts on this? You know, all of these linked to individuals that are doing harm and should be vilified. But the backstory is that there's a state apparatus that, that supports it. I mean, if it was just these individuals, as horrific as these videos are, and there are far too many incidents occurring of this horror, then you deal with the individuals. You deal with the individuals, you punish them. An example is set to limit future incidents like this. But the, the backstory that's that, uh, been happening since black people have come to America, or, and, I, and I'm, I'm sorry for using the word come, been uh, brought here in chains in, that, in the first uh, slave ships, the state apparatus has supported it. That, that is, the, that is the, the diminishing of, of the lives, that is the, the terror by which we have to live with. And, and, you know, and I'm an economist, so you might say, well, what are you chiming in? What do you have to say about this? So again, at, at first sight, there's horror associated with this, there's terror. Um, but to believe that you can not move throughout society without the threat of bodily harm, and that doesn't have economic implications, That's right, if that right. doesn't impact your spirit, if that doesn't impact the ways in which you engage in everyday life under that constant threat, and that that's that's the hard part to to really capture from these videos, videos the extrapolation. We, I'm black. I look at this. You're black. You look at this. We we live with this in our psyche. We live with what happens if we walk and this threat occurs to us. How do we react? That's and, right. and and then last thing I'll say on on this is, we can change it, right? So so all this horror that, that we're observing, uh, and you're doing it. So big kudos for you for having the courage to lead with this on your show. Um, but this need not be our destiny. The state is our apparatus, just like it's anybody else's apparatus. So that is where the power is gonna come when when we seize upon the state to do their job and, uh, and enforce human rights for all of us. Very well said. Let me show you the, the Protection of complexion, all right? What if I told you there's a Republican candidate who is running for office, decides to kill his wife, gets arrested for murdering his wife, is in jail and still won his Republican primary. Put up his picture. Okay. Despite being in jail for murder of his wife that you see pictured there, a Republican won a primary held in Indiana. Andrew Will Hoyt won a Republican primary in Indiana on Tuesday night after being arrested for the murder of his wife, Nikki Will Hoyt, who had just finished her last round of chemotherapy. Now he basically admits he killed her, all right? He said, yeah, I did it. And then he provides a ridiculous story as to why. The body was dumped at another location. Put up, his, put up the picture again. That's a murderer, that's a killer. 
running for political office in Indiana, and he wins the GOP primary. He wins. He the state says they're powerless. They can do nothing about this. Let me give you the background. WXIN reported that Nikki, the woman he killed, his wife, filed for divorce a day before her last chemotherapy treatment. She knew it was time to go. In March, police said the couple had a heated argument that ended with Andrew hitting Nikki in the head with a blunt object before dumping her body in a creek, according to law and crime. Andrew said that, no, 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 it was actually Nikki that attacked me during their argument and he swung at her face with a gallon sized concrete flower pot. That's what he said. You know, we were in an argument and um, um, you, you know, I had to get this concrete flower pot and hit her in the head with it because, because I was defending myself. And then he dumps the body. The body was discovered uh, partially submerged in water at a creek, okay? Uh, so his story is it was self defense with a woman who's in chemotherapy, okay? He got, he won an election after he got arrested for murder. The man is literally in jail winning political elections in America. There's more. After he won the primary, um, and, and this is how he won the primary, so I'm gonna give you some context of this. Andrew Will Hoyt, 40 years of age, received 60 votes. It's a small jurisdiction uh, and will appear on the November ballot for the Clinton Township Board. He's gonna be on the ballot. He's arrested for murder in jail. There will be two other winners in the primary to fill the three available seats. He will remain in jail until his trial. At the very least, a trial date has not yet been set. How in the hell is this legal? How is this possible? The man said he did it. The man has been arrested for murder. The man is in jail for murder. And he admitted to doing it. There is no legal reason he can't be a candidate according to an Indiana election official and what this official said to the Tribune Star. Under our system, you are innocent until you are proven guilty. If a person is a convicted of a felony, then they are no longer eligible to be a candidate and are ineligible to hold office. Now, I did some research on this. Now, what could have happened, now Indiana is technically correct. But what could have happened should have happened at the local jurisdiction, and it did not. The local jurisdiction, they do have a little more latitude over GOP candidates. They can be classified as non-GOP candidates and severely hurt their ability to actually win. Well, the GOP, I have not seen them denounce this as of yet. Professor, thoughts on this election debacle and murder. Yeah, you know, the first part of your show dealt a whole lot with the ways in which we devalue people based on race. This is an example of devaluation based on gender. Mm. We, do it, we do it with male, female as well. I, I very seriously doubt if the tables were turned uh, that if it was a woman who committed this, this uh, or was allegedly committed this heinous act, that right. we, we'd have similar circumstance. Come so, you, you know, uh, that hopefully uh, 
that Congress won't see them if somehow, well, hopefully if he did this crime, he should be in jail. Um, but you know, I wanna remind the viewers also of when Donald Trump was running for office, he admitted to groping women on, on video, uh, but yet he still won an election and, and the voters allowed him to become president. So again, we need to stop devaluing people based on cursory identities like race and gender. That's an immoral society and we can do better. Well said, we got more on the other side is indisputable, stick and stay. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a In Sunday? You're gonna feel great! Back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. I felt targeted, I'm sorry. That was a lot of kids. You defiantly sat down in that chair. How did I define it? I sat down. What does that even mean? Stop, stop talking. Stop talking. Okay, you know what? If this continues, I'm gonna have you. Okay, so you work in the management? So if you were, what The Karenicity in this one runs deep, okay? She is harassing this group because they did exactly what she told them to do. She told them to get off of the kiosk area and to go over there, and they did. And she says that they defiantly sat down. What? You're upset because they defiantly took a seat? I, I, I don't even understand how this, what are you trying to do here, Karen? Once again, <coughs> an individual who believes it is her duty, her right, her responsibility to become the taskmaster of those she feels are of lower status than her. And then she tells them, or, or I, I will have you escorted out for, for what? For being kids, for being young, for being obedient. Okay, uh, Professor Hamilton, thoughts on this? I mean, one word, audacity. <laughs> right. The audacity, and then uh, I'm going to call the authorities on you. You know, it 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 is lighter than the other uh, segments we've seen, but nonetheless, it speaks to. The everyday trauma and everyday threats that people live on that live under, yep. and, and it's sad that they're youth that are that are going through this. But but you know what? I also love the fact that they pulled out their video and said, "We ain't just going to take it. We're going to do something about it." Yeah, and they were trying to reason with her. They were very reasonable in their explanation, in their conversation. She was the only immature person in that entire convo. All right. Um, if I didn't see it, I wouldn't believe it. I know, listen, cops do a lot of crazy things. 
But a cop literally has been going around crashing weddings and stealing the gifts at the weddings. Put up his picture. If you saw this guy at your wedding, some of your stuff was stolen. Your cousin did not do it, it was him. All right, his name is Landon Earl Rankin, a former Arizona Sheriff's deputy, has been arrested for allegedly crashing weddings and stealing the newlyweds gifts. This 54 year old grown ass man who served as a cop for 21 years in the (coughs) Pino County Sheriff's Office went around to weddings, crashed them and stole money and all kinds of other things. He was arrested last Thursday on suspicion of two counts of burglary in relation to thefts at two weddings in the Phoenix area last month. He's also facing several drug charges as police found fentanyl in his possession. But here's the thing, they're already starting to say, "Mm, we think he was on dope while he was a cop, okay? All right, Um, let's get into it. The officer Rankin would allegedly pose as a guest at weddings and steal boxes of wedding cards. That was the scheme. The boxes at the Phoenix area weddings both contain between $3,000 and $6,000. They do expect he's done this a lot more than the two times they are aware of. Let's put up the surveillance video they called him surveillance uh, screenshot of the surveillance video. Uh, This was released by the Chandler Police Department of Rankin running off with what is a wedding card box in a plastic bag. Uh, Now, apparently these are not the only two weddings that he showed up at unannounced. During the investigation, police uncovered at least 11 recent incidents of similar wedding thefts in the East Valley region of Arizona that Rankin could be responsible for. Rankin's response to this, he told the police after he was arrested that he attended the weddings to hear the vows because he was going through a divorce. Let's put his his picture up again, okay? You too damn old to come with those weak ass lies. At least come up with a lie that people can respect. To say that you're going to a wedding because you need to hear vows because you're going through a divorce is ridiculous. Now, let me say this, okay, let me be very clear. Having an addiction is a disease, that's a disease. Um, I used to be a drinking man, haven't had a drink in years. And if you are suffering with any level of chemical abuse or chemical dependency, then I encourage you to get help. It is nothing to be embarrassed about. That's why I I live my recovery out loud for that reason. If you are the police, you have resources that most people do not. Even retired police officers have resources that most people do not. Now, there has to be, I mean, a system issue has to be implemented. There has to be an investigation into some of his arrest and previous conduct because he decided not to disclose. Now, how do you mark the transformation of a human being? (coughs) Acknowledgement. Acknowledgement, that's how you mark transformation. We do not change what we fail to acknowledge. I see no transformation here. I see someone 
who's willing to continue to lie about what they're doing. All right, he got caught on video stealing from people at their wedding. That's a beautiful day. Weddings are beautiful days. This ruins it. All right, Professor Hamilton, thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I got empathy for 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 the individual because of you know potential addictions. But but you know, as you point out, he was a police officer. And there could have been some harm that was committed while being a police officer and and dealing with either substance or mental health or whatever whatever type of things that might have been dealt with. And police have to be held to a different standard. They they do because of the power that we enlist upon them. So yeah. um, I'm with you. We need to go back and and reevaluate what took place when he was an officer to see what other harm might have been created as a result. Listen, and if he ever gets help. Or whatever addiction he may have, and if he works his 12 steps, at a particular point in those 12 steps, he has to go back. He has to right people that he wronged. He has to try to make amends for his actions. And hopefully, that means also means that he tells the truth about some things that he did while being in uniform. All right, welcome back. We still got a lot of show left. Um, remember the Ahmad Aubrey murder? The district attorney who covered up the crime, she got arrested as well. She got indicted for the cover up because that's exactly what she did. Now she's claiming innocence, saying, "Oh no, 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 this is all just a big coincidence." Well, now investigators have exposed the fact that. They exchange, I'm talking about Mr. McMichael, one of the murderers, and the district attorney literally exchanged various messages and conversations after the murder. After the murder. Let me remind you of what happened in Georgia on that day. That's that's called a murder, okay? A young black male. Let's put up the picture of Travis McMichael, Gregory McMichael, and William Bryan. Let's put their picture up. See, those are thugs and criminals. Those are gangsters, all right? Crips and Bloods ain't got nothing on those guys. They are the real scourge of the earth, but they are helped. Is really a kingpin. This woman, Jackie Johnson, is at the top of it. She was the district attorney at the time of this murder. She decided to cover up the murder, tell the cops not to arrest, and then engage in lengthy conversations with one of the killers, her dear friend, Gregory McMichael. Gregory McMichael and his son, Travis McMichael, armed themselves with guns and used a pickup truck to chase 25 year old 
Arbery after spotting him running in their neighborhood just outside the port city of Brunswick, Georgia. A neighbor, William Roddy Bryant, joined the pursuit in his own truck and recorded the cell phone video of Travis McMichael killing Arbery at close range with a shotgun. Now remember at trial it came out that if Travis McMichael had not completed the job, his dad, Gregory McMichael, was going to kill Aubrey anyway. They came out during the trial, okay? The men told police that Travis McMichael opened fire in self-defense as Aubrey threw punches and tried to grab the shotgun, just trying to get away. The McMichaels told police they suspected Aubrey of being a thief. Aubrey was unarmed and he, when he was killed and police found no evidence that he had stolen anything. One of the men convicted of murder in the street chase and the fatal shooting of Ahmad Aubrey spoke with his former boss. Who's the former boss? The district attorney, Jackie Johnson, okay? They spoke several times by phone in the days and weeks after the killing in 2020. That's according to a court document filed on Thursday, all right? What were they talking about? How does the DA get phone calls and engage in conversations with a man who just committed murder? What do you think they're saying to each other? Oh, you, you think they're just you know, talking about going out to lunch? You think they're talking about um, news of the day? Or do you think they're talking about how to make sure the murder remains covered up? There's more investigators found that the day after the shooting, then Brunswick Judicial Circuit Attorney Jackie Johnson placed a phone call to Greg McMichael. She initiated the call. A retired investigator from her office who initiated the deadly pursuit of Aubrey. The call lasted more than nine minutes. Prosecutor said in a misconduct case against Johnson said in the legal filing. It listed 16 calls, I want you to get this now. 16 calls between phone numbers for Johnson and McMichael starting February 23rd, 2020. When McMichael left Johnson a voicemail about an hour after the shooting and ending May 5th, 2020, the day graphic cell phone video of Aubrey's killing leaked online. The video sparked a national outcry over the young black man's death at the hands of three white pursuers. Now I wanna remind you of some context here. Initially, the DA told the cops, don't affect an arrest, let him go. It was self-defense, they do so. Later, when local media started covering this, the DA decided to transfer it to a friend of hers in another jurisdiction. That other DA decided to write a letter saying that his office has investigated and they have determined that it is actually self-defense, okay? That DA has yet to be charged with anything. It was a complete lie. There was no self-defense here. It was murder, all right, uh, more than half the calls lasted just a few seconds to a minute, suggesting some may have gone unanswered and others involved voicemails. Seven calls lasted just shy of three minutes to 21 minutes, according to court records. A grand jury indicted the district attorney Johnson last year on a felony charge of violating her oath of office, as well as a misdemeanor count of hindering a police investigation. Georgia Attorney General Chris Carr's office is prosecuting the case, which alleges Johnson used her position to protect McMichael and his son. 
The evidence shows that Johnson showed favor and affection for McMichael throughout the pendency of the case, including when she was making decisions as the DA over the case, the prosecutor's legal filing said, okay? All right, now I gotta remind everybody, this is not abnormal, this is normative in jurisdictions like Brunswick, Georgia. Do you know how many times she's done this before? We uncovered a case a few years ago where she covered up a crime for another cop. So she was known in that jurisdiction for covering up crimes for cops. The grand jury, when they got out of the grand jury room from this covered up crime that happened a few years ago, they said, wait a minute, the DA lied to us. She didn't give us that information. That's the only reason we never indicted the cop. They didn't give us the proper information. Now we have more information and we would have indicted that cop based on the truth of the narrative rather than based on what the DA gave us. She already covered for a cop. Criminal justice system is not broken, it's working exactly as it was designed to work. Our job is to break the damn thing, not fix it. All right. Professor Hamilton, thoughts on this? You know, another vivid example of the personhood of black people not being afforded the political and legal codification that human beings should be afforded. That, you know, this, as you say, it needs to stop and it creates these perverse incentives. It, it allows for uh, people to uh, commit murder with, with, without recourse. Uh, because there's not that they they do it without the fear that they will be dealt with accordingly, and and this is a problem. And it's normal for them to operate in this manner. This was a weird one. I'm still trying to figure it out. All right, a man proposes to a woman at a McDonald's in in the line. All right, here's the video. Um, yeah, so, you know, I don't know if he was trying to be creative, okay? Let's put up the screenshot here, all right? Uh, let me help you here, young man. All right, if that's the love of your life, definitely ask her to marry you. While you're in line at a McDonald's and her back is turned to you, that may not be the best romantic opportunity to say, will you marry me? Uh, and, and I don't know what else was going on before this happened. Um, but McDonald's, sir, if she would have said yes, your marriage would have been doomed to fail. <laughs> Listen, I'm, that's just a joke, I don't know. Uh, the jury is out as far as if this was a hoax 
or actually real. Um, people replying to the viral clip were quick to crack jokes. Uh, they said things like, she said, Mick, no. One person quipped, while others judged the man's a choice of location. Proposing in public seems so manipulative to me, cuz if she rejects you, she's the villain. Even though you put her on the spot, wrote one critic. If you propose to your girlfriend in front of a McDonald's, you definitely deserve to be rejected at another. Um, I mean, maybe they met at McDonald's. Hell, I don't know. It could have been, you know, some kind of something romantic, a good sentiment maybe was. Hey, this is where we met at, or something. I don't know. Uh, could be a hoax though. Uh, I'm I'm so hoping this was a hoax. Oh my goodness. All right, Professor Hamilton, real or hoax in your opinion? I, I, I don't know, but I will say I, I can't judge because I spend a whole lot of late nights watching TikTok. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen worse. <laughs> I've seen worse too. <laughs> oh man, my dear brother, it has been a pleasure having you on Indisputable. Such an honor, man, and thank you for all you do in academia and beyond for our young minds and the not so young minds that you lead on a regular basis. Thank you, my friend. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.